Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and get started here. Let's go into prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you again for another opportunity, Father, to break bread with your people, Father. I thank you for Brother Al, Father. I thank you for all the brothers in our fellowship, Father, Brother Seth and Peter and Jacob, and Brother Johnny, Father, and Brother Joel and Daniel, Father, and Brother Caesar. And I thank you, Lord, for all these other members, Father God. In Jesus' name, I thank you that the Word, Father God, gets into their hearts and grows and becomes that tree, amen, where others can come and lodge and find rest and shade and refreshment. Thank you, Father God, right now, Father God, for your presence. If your presence doesn't go with us, Father, don't take us up, Lord of God. But I thank you right now for your life, Father, and I thank you for your encouragement in our hearts and lives. We thank you, Lord, for this meeting that we're about to have here in the meeting in the big house. We bless you, Father, and I thank you, Father, that I pray that the hearts will be full of faith, Father God, that we could reach out and believe in and have what we have need of from you, Father God, on a, on a great and magnificent way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. I wanted to point out some things. I wrote some things over here to write to your left, Brother Al, on the bottom. I put, mankind's confession is a result of his believing. His believing is a result of his thinking, and his thinking is a result of his knowledge. And there's only two sources, God or the devil. So it's very important, you know, whatever's coming out of your mouth, Jesus said, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. So it's very important that we load up, obviously, with the things of God. You know, and, and, and as we were talking last night about, you know, separating the pressure from the vial. Focusing on the Word of God, letting the Spirit of God move on that Word and reveal it to us, etc. And, uh, and, 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 and realize that, the, you know, there's, there's uncorruptible and corruptible seeds and how the enemy is constantly seeking to sow corruptible in our hearts so that our train of thought and our thinking goes in a whole other direction other than what God has intended from His Word. And then I also wrote a little statement in the middle there. It says, let my people go. You see that? And, and there's a principle there that says the word comes, the word gets taught and preached, faith comes, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and then Satan comes, the tribulation, okay, the tough times in other words. And then patient comes, which is hupomene, which means constancy or faithfulness or reliability. And then hope comes, and then it says in Romans 5, 3 through 5, in the end of that, and hope maketh not ashamed. And... Uh, and, I, and when I was looking at that, I thought about, uh, it was interesting because the Apostles' Doctrine, they all spake the same word, they taught the same word, they lived the same word, and the same word was confirmed with signs following. And those three different scripture references down there, James 1, 2 through 4, Matthew 5, 10 through 12, and Romans 5, 3 through 5, all talk about uh, the same thing, and, and Jesus, of course, taught them. Of course, now Paul, what's interesting is that Paul wasn't one of the original 12 apostles, right? Right. And, and yet God, you know, through Jesus Christ was able to bring him to a place where obviously he started serving the kingdom of God. But, you know, Paul was the one that expounded so many areas about the kingdom of God to us and the word of God. But what I'm saying is, is that Paul wasn't even around during the times of Jesus Christ. 
And James was. But here we go, Paul, years and years and years and years later, preaching the same thing, man. You know what I'm saying? The same doctrine. And uh, like I said, you know, the word calls that the, the apostles' doctrine. Now, last week I wrote also up there some nine qualifications of discipleship. And, uh, and I'll just read these out, and I'm just going to go through them real quickly here. So, if anything or anyone comes before God, or the order of first things, you cannot be my disciple, Jesus said. If he or she does not prefer his own, he prefers, if he or she prefers his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's idolatry or self-love. If he or she does not bear his own cross, not Jesus' cross, he bore his own cross. We all have to bear our own cross. We all have to die to ourselves daily. Then you cannot be my disciple. If he or she does not follow Jesus, that is lordship, and submit to the word and understand that the word is final authority, you can't be my disciple. If he or she does not count the cost, not the assets, you cannot be my disciple. In other words, it only costs those who don't want to pay. If you're willing to pay the price to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then, then uh, you can be a disciple. Hallelujah. If he or she does not forsake all, in other words, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, you can't be my disciple. If he, if he or she does not continue in my word, that is living the word, Jesus said you can't be my disciple. If he or she does not love one another, in other words, if you're selfish and you're giving and you're sharing, you can't be my disciple. You were talking about that last night, about spending time with each other and loving on one another and fellowshipping and breaking bread. That's part of being a disciple, amen? Mm -hmm. And if he or she does not bear fruit, in other words, if you're not abiding in the vine, you cannot be my disciple. And all those scripture references there, Luke 9, 24-33, Luke 17, 33-3, Romans 8, 31 through 32, John 13, 34 and 35, John 10, 10 through 17, John 12, 25, Matthew 10, 39, Matthew 16, 25, Matthew 20, 28, Mark 8, 35, Luke 9, 59 through 62, and John 15, 1 through 17, all talk about those nine different areas right there related to discipleship. Whew. Now, uh, let's go ahead and get started with the outline here. You know, we, we, we have to understand some things. Well, I'm going to go through this. Yes, sir. Oh, I got the I got them here. Let me give you the copies. They're going to be under the uh, uh, the faith, hope, and love uh, discipleship folder, and then I've got them under there under. So go into shared drive first. Shared with me, and then right here, there's the folder. And then there's the documents right here, I think. Yeah. Okay. So every time we, we uh, there's one that comes out or we do another session. I'm talking about last week's. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, we're going to cover that one a little bit, which is the one we're looking at right here, the repentance from dead works. Because, uh, oh, excuse me. It's really important that we understand some things here. Uh, the first, Second Corinthians 7 through 17 talks about godly sorrow. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So we see there, there's two distinctions there. There's the sorrow of the world, and there's, there's the sorrow of God. And what's interesting about this is that there's two Greek words for the word repentance. 
And the first one here where it says godly sorrow worketh repentance is the Greek word metanoia, which is Greek word number 3341. It means compunction for guilt, including reformation by implication reversal of another's decision. When there's true heart repentance, you turn because you're dealt with by the Lord. You're dealt with by the Holy Ghost. And, and your heart truly turns back to the Lord and, and, and it's a decision to turn away from whatever that thing was that you were involved in. And uh, I'm not going to read all these, but there's all the referencing, I mean, the, the Greek words that these words came from. And I want to read a definition down here on the bottom of the page called compunction, which is part of the definition there. And this is just in the English translation, English dictionary. It says a pricking or stimulation or irritation seldom used in the literal sense. Where was this when you get these, these scriptures from? Uh, well, King James. King James. Yeah. There's one in that. I swore and I can't find it. 2 Corinthians 7.10. No, I'm talking about the Bible. Oh. Oh, my sword? Okay, so let me show you how to do that. English. Right. Yeah. Up there on the top left. James, American King James. And, oh, you're trying to download right now? I already downloaded it. Oh, cancel that. Cancel close and then oh, you know what? You got to do the modules, that's what I was talking about last oh, night. Okay, I can help you with that, but here in the meantime, let's see here. How did you use this? I got some paper here. Oh, yeah, well, you're like me, I want to see it in written. <laughs> okay, where's it at? So when you're in here, you click up here and that's how you change the books that you're in. Right. And then up here is how you change the module from King James and I have, see all these, oh I'm sorry, it's not going to show you. See how these different translations. Uh -huh. But anyway, you want to go to 2 Corinthians 7.10. You don't want to do any of the light versions when you're downloading there. You want to just do the, all the 7... 10. And there you go. And plus, you're not going to have good signal strength in here because it's really weak in this metal building. So, so again, uh, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And again, the definition is compunction for guilt, including reformation of that Greek word repentance by implication re reversal of another's decision. And so compunction down there on the bottom of the page, it says a pricking of heart, a poignant grief or remorse proceeding from a consciousness of guilt. In other words, you, feel, you realize that you're out of order with your father and your desire is to turn back to the Lord and get right with God. Um, second page there. And this is the other side of repentance. This is, um, I'm sorry, this is, no, I'm sorry, that's going to be the next one down. Okay, so Matthew 3, 8, John the Baptist talked about bring forth fruit, bring therefore fruits meet for repentance. That word repentance again is the word metanoia. In other words, have the right attitude in turning to the Lord. Amen. Not, not as we're going to see here in a minute, the other Greek word, which is metamolomai for repentance. But there's some references there, <clears throat> Matthew 3, 8, 3, Matthew 3, 11, Matthew 9, 13. Uh, 
and Luke 3 3 there's just three different references there where it talks about and I like the one in Luke 3 3 he says and he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins and I like that word remission it means freedom of sins and I, and I, and I just that blessed me so much it means deliverance or pardon. And on the, on the middle of the page there are all the references for that word repentance are listed there in all the scripture references. Now let's go to B there in the second page there. It's called the sorrow of the world. And we're going to talk about the sorrow of the world here. So it says the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now this is Matthew 27, 3 and 4. And then Judas, which, be, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he had, was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. In other words, deal with it on your own. And this word repentance here, um, where it says repented himself, verse 3, 27, 3 is the Greek word metamolomai. And metamolomai, it says the definition here is to care afterwards, that is to regret. In other words, to say that is that you're sorry because you got caught. So how many times have you heard the situation where somebody's saying sorry because they got caught and they're getting sentenced to some prison time? They're not sorry because they because because they want to change. They get sorry because they got caught. So there's a distinction there. Is that that kind of repentance is the sorrow of death, sorrow of the world. In other words, that's the way the world operates. That's the only reason they got uncovered because somebody got caught. They're not wanting to change. They don't want to improve their lives and and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to. If if they hadn't got caught, they never would have repented. In other words, they never would have regretted. You see, and uh, so on page three there, there's the, the, the referring uh, Greek words of where that word comes from over there. And uh, now let's move on to the second section there on page three. It says true, true repentance. And the results of true repentance, Luke 15, 32, it says, It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. And the, that whole story there, Luke, 11, Luke 1, 11 through 32, let's see here. It's talking about, you know, the, uh, the prodigal son. But the, 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 in spite of everything that he went through and, and his father letting him go and giving him his inheritance, God, you know, the, the, the type of shadow is, is that God still received him, you see. And he was able to come back and, and, and his heart and his attitude was right. He had to get dealt with the hard way, but he came back to the Lord. In other words, his father here. And uh, in the Old Testament, to turn, turn back or to return. Therefore, putting new, the two, New Testament and Old Testament together, we have an interchange of mind resulting in an outward turning back to move in a completely new direction. And the New Testament and the new priesthood is to change one's mind, not an emotion but a decision. Many associate repentance with a strong emotion or shedding of tears. You know, I remember my little boys when they were exposed and they got caught. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They started doing all that stuff. 
and others associated with some special religious rite or ordinance. This is penance. When they try to put themselves through a, through some hurt into the, in their own bodies. And that again is not godly repentance. Uh, section 3 there it says repent and believe. And Mark 1.15 it says, And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Metanoia and, and ye and believe the gospel. Turn your hearts from the current direction that you are going in, O body of Christ, O Israel, and turn to the Lord. Amen. And he'll start, he'll start, uh, he'll start, uh, hello, bro. Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. Oh, here we go. We're on page three. Thank you. We're on page three of this, this okay. one right here. I'm just going through real fast. It's kind of what I covered last week, but okay. And uh, but and I shared a little bit with you about the two types of repentance. That that is the metanoia and the metamaloma. The metanoia is true heart repentance. It's a decision, not necessarily an emotional outburst, right? And then the other part of that is that, you know, as it says that 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance, which is the word metanoia, to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In other words, the, the repentance of the world is, I got caught. And that's the way they deal with it. And, and there's an instance here where Judas, he repented. It says that, uh, Matthew 27, 3 on page 2. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and then I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it, to that. Repented there is the word metamaloma. I got caught. That's why. I'm sorry. So if his heart had never got dealt with by the Lord, the Holy Ghost, he never would have. He would have just taken those third pieces over and moved on. Yeah, I always look at the difference between Ju Judah and Peter. Because mm -hmm. Peter, you know, he denied the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he repented. He felt bad when the mm -hmm. cup broke. And Judas felt bad too. But there was a difference. The godly sorrow versus the worldly sorrow. Mm -hmm. That's right. There's a whole distinction there. And the reason that's important is because the world doesn't need to hear about uh, their sin. They need to hear the good news. God has forgiven you. Now, the body of Christ, that's different. We're already in the kingdom of God. We need to be dealt with in our sin. That's different. Because God corrects those whom he loves. As he says in Hebrews 11 or 12 or 31. But the point is, is that, you know, that that that's how, I mean, that's part of the kingdom of God, getting corrected. Because God wants us all in order. And, and the kingdom of God can't function without order. Because what we're doing, we're opening the door and giving place to the devil. In other words, we're not portering our own hearts. We're just opening the door and it's just coming on in and doing what he wants to do. So, it's very important that we uh, understand that. And we're going to get to that in, that next, in the next uh, section over there. But, I want to, let's see here. Down the bottom of page 3, it says, and it's just a statement. It says, look at what we are. We are kings and priests after the order of Melchizedek, just like Jesus. This is the good news or the gospel. 
So as kings and priests, and I shared this with the, in the men's meeting, is that the word Melchizedek comes from two, two different Hebrew words. Melech, which is king, and Zedek, which means righteousness. So we are kings of righteousness after the order of Jesus, after the order of Melchizedek. And, and it says, thou art a priest forever. See, we serve with the left hand in our graces, in our anointings, our callings, our selections, apostolic, prophetic, teacher, shepherd, evangelistic. Those are just gifts, domas, the word calls them, which means to make a gift of a gift. But we rule in the spirit as kings. Just like Jesus. He didn't come. He didn't talk to any of these guys about their anointings and their callings. All he was concerned about was discipleship. Because he knew that if I can't even help you understand how to bring discipline to your lives, the devils are going to take you down because you don't know how to rule in spirit. You don't know how to rule your own heart. You see? And, uh, and as a king, he came and dominated the spirit realm. Devils come out. You know, deaf ears open, blind eyes see, raise the dead. All of that was as a king, not as a as a priest, because he hadn't offered the blood yet to the Father and stepped into his ministry. And that's important to understand that because that's the way we should be. Because of what Christ did, and he's forever entered into the throne of grace. Amen. We can now enter in because of that blood. And therefore now we can rule as kings of righteousness, making the right judgment calls on the matter because of the word only. But how many of us, God, what percentage, I'm, I'm a, I know it's a guesswork, but right. what percentage of Christians would you say walk in that kind of power and spirit? Well, see, that's the thing is that you shall receive power. Right. Right? Not tongues. We talk in tongues, but what he said is you're going to get power. And if you remember, when you, we talked about this brother Al yesterday a little bit, is that uh, when we first came to the Lord, man, we could pray for anyone. God would heal them. People were getting born again, delivered from demonic activity, whatever. And God was all over it. Right? That was the grapes. Remember when those two, the two uh, spies came back? They brought those huge clump of grapes. This is what's there. But and, and, and that's, that's, the, that's like when you get married and you're in the honeymoon. The same thing because you're now in a relationship with God, with Christ. Everything is great, everything's great. But then all of a sudden now we need to deal with your soul. We need to get you some training. We need to get you taught. Then, now that you can come back and understand the first fruits, the earnest, right? Then you can come back now discipled and trained. And now you're going to serve me with the right attitude. Now the power is going to be able to come because you're disciplined. And you're able to restrain your soul and not use it for your glory. Amen. Amen. And that's the distinction there is that, is that through the discipleship process. Because these guys had been with Jesus for over three and a half years. And they saw every, they saw everything that Christ did. And they learned what he what he taught them. And they still really <clears throat> they still really weren't that strong. <laughs> well, they, they they had a lot of questions and right. but they sought the Lord about it. The Lord of truth. And they were unified, right? Right. They prayed in one accord. They they knew that they needed to be praying. He told them, my house is a house of prayer. You're not going to get anything unless you seek me and understand what I'm trying to do. And then, of course, that's why the apostolic had to come first, because there was no order. There was no church. Okay? There was a church in the wilderness, but 
we know what happened to the first generation. They all died. It was only Joshua and Caleb and the next generation that went in. Because these guys, I don't want to go through what they went through. I mean, they had some wisdom there. But again, Joshua was in the presence of God. Remember when he stayed there in the tabernacle? He was soaking it up, man. He was not asking, you know, any dumb questions. And he was right there. And God was able to bring him as a commander to his people. Because that's the people need that too. That need that anointing of, of where we are able to understand how to command in the spirit as kings. Amen. So uh, this whole little thing, uh, I, really I've been talking about Melchizedek, but there's a whole, uh, for thou art priest, for those priests, verse 4, page 4, this is Hebrews 7, 21, were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, Thou, the Lord, swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's what we are. We have we are after the order of Melchizedek. We are the ones reconciling the world now unto God and telling the people that, hey, your sins have been forgiven, glory to God. And now you can come to your father, and now God can be a father to you, and now you can learn his ways, etc. And and come into your inheritance in the Lord. What time is it? Okay, we're gonna get started with the second uh I covered some a lot of this last week, so this is kind of a little bit of a part two, but then this next section is really, 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 I mean, this right here, you know, it's just, it's just such a great work is that when you understand the work of righteousness and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, by that precious blood, amen, that changes everything because your attitude, your consciousness is different now. Now, I'm not saying that we're completely holy because holiness and righteousness are two different things. I'm just as holy. I mean, I'm just as righteous as you or, or as Al or any other brother and sister in this world. Because they, with the same blood has been paid the price for my sins and where I came from, just like you guys. But holiness, now that's called sanctification, where you separate yourself unto the Lord. That's different. And, you know, there's degrees of sanctification because it's all a matter of how much you're separating yourself from this world. It's more like a process. Yes. The more you learn and grow, because he says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. The more word, the more sanctification. Again, it comes back to that thing, brother, how we're talking about separating the precious from the vile. If you focus on the precious, that itself is going to sanctify you, separate you, because you don't want to violate the Lord. You don't want to, you don't want to cross the word. You, you, you. You want you want to stay in his favor and his blessing, amen. It's just like a son or a daughter, you know, when they come to you and they're like, look, 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 and uh, they want that acknowledgement. They want that, that they want to be in that place where they know they're pleasing their father all the time, and that's that same attitude we have to have towards the fathers that we do not. I want to please him as a son of God, amen. Just like Jesus. So this is Titus 3.5. We're going to get started on the, on the next section here, which is the work of righteousness. So Titus 3.5 says, not by, Now, I started doing the outlines a little different. In the past, I was um, only um, copying out certain words as far as the Greek words. But I was like, man, that's a lot of work. And so I just started, you know, pasting the whole, copying and pasting the whole verse with the Greek words, but then bolding the ones that were focusing on 
It says, this is Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So there is the term works of righteousness. So we're talking about repentance from dead works. So in the world, they do nothing but dead works because God is not acknowledging any kind of uh, uh, blessing that they're doing towards one another because they're not under the blood of Jesus. You know, the scripture talks about, you know, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. For God is not, you know, we're not supposed to be involved in that. I think that's 1 Corinthians 7 or 2 Corinthians 7. But where, in other words, it says that the things that the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to gods. Listen to that. All that sacrifice they're doing, all that donations of hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars for all this stuff, man. You know, God is not acknowledging any of that. It's sacrificing to devils because they don't serve the Lord. And, and this is, you know, it's, it's, I mean, thank God when they do get born again, glory to God, they're going to get on this side of the camp. Amen. And that's that thing about, you know, God give me men. You know, I was sharing this with Brother Peter during our men's meeting is that, you know, when he prayed, remember he was talking about that during one of his, one of the Wednesday meetings. He says, when he got, uh, brought into the ministry he said he started praying and he said god bring us men right and 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 i've been asking the lord what is the vision for this house and uh and when he said that it confirmed in me because the place that i came from in marshall uh that's the vision of the house is god give me men and then the second part of the vision is is that uh, give me the man i'll give you the land in other words, once the man has come into the kingdom of God, now whatever resources he is, he, now it's part of the kingdom of God. And it can be utilized for the kingdom of God, sanctified and holy now. Not unholy and unsanctified like he was when he was in the world. And then the other part of that is that the third part of the vision is, I made room for you, now you make room for them. And that's where, you know, down there in Marshall, that's where things are, is that now God is doing... It, it's it's interesting because you know th there always should be um, an impartation before there's a departation. You have to impart that knowledge and wisdom to the younger generation before we go up. Before I die, I need to give all that I can give, record, write, you know, teach my sons directly, teach brothers and sisters directly as much as I possibly can because. That's that, that's that impartation that they're going to get. They're going to have their own wisdom and their own anointing that God has given them, plus the wisdom of their fathers and those that have went before them. And that's that double portion. That's that. That's that. And, and the scripture confirms that, is that, that, that you know, as, as, as we get older, we're going to need our sons and daughters to help and minister for us and to us. Because now we're old and we can't do it like we did before. But now they have, again, they have a double portion to be able to do that. They have double strength. Etc. Etc. To help us now, but anyway. So I just like I said when he said that about that vision that that just that just confronted my heart. The same thing we need here. We need men. We need leadership. Amen. We need laborers because who's going to train the people if they come, right? And you know it's funny. I was taking a drive coming over here, and there's a wheat field right there behind by the new IKEA. That's where we live over there, I mean. mm -hmm. and it's all golden. It's starting to turn real pretty and golden. And I want to take a shot of it picture-wise, but I thought about that scripture where Jesus said, you know, the fields are ready. The harvest is ready. Yeah. And pray that the Lord will send laborers 
So that's what's lacking laborers. Yeah. People that are that are willing to die to themselves. Again, remember I shared this with you that Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered unto. But I came to minister, diakonia, serve. Diakonia is where we get the word deacon. It's an attitude. Okay. Now there is a part of helps and governments that, sure. that's that's part of the kingdom of God and part of the work of God in the body of Christ, but all of us should have an attitude of a servant. So he says, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister, serve, and give my life. Suke, my soul, my, my desires. I mean, all the time that I spend doing all this stuff, you know, and seeking the Lord and stuff, that's things that I'm not doing that for my glory. In other words, I'd rather be out there photographing or doing something else. But I say, no, I died myself, in other words, so that we can get the body of Christ trained. Amen. Uh, so, not of works. So, number one, that says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift. And I and I put the definition there for gift, Duran, which is a present, specifically a sacrifice of God. And the reason I did that in this particular uh, section, there's two Greek words that, that we go into. And there's a matter of fact, in the New Testament, there's nine different Greek words for the word gift. You get that out? Nine different Greek words. This was one of Duran. There's Doma, Duran, Dosis, Dorea. Uh, Marismos, Grace. There's there's nine of them. I don't I don't have them all memorized right now, but uh, of course uh, Doma. Did I say Doma? That would be seven of them. But anyway, this one is Duran, which is a present, specifically a sacrifice of God. And then it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, it's not going to be something that you can say that you get the glory for. Look what I did. That stuff's out the window in the kingdom of God. Man, you're doing it out of the right attitude and heart. Romans 3.20, it says, the deeds of the law. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So we understand by the law that there's a knowledge of sin. For example, you steal, you lie, you deceive, you cheat, you betray. And then number three there is we're not justified by works. So thank God because it would be awful, man, trying to prove ourselves all the time, man. Mm -hmm. You know? We would never make it. Exactly. <laughs> thank God for the blood of Jesus, man. Amen. So Galatians, number three, it says Galatians 2.16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And again, just another verse to confirm that it's not by works, you know. And see, that's the way... Yeah. I had a discussion with this one family uh, a while back uh, about this, exactly mm. that. And they kept stressing to me because I was sharing with them about the need that we have and for uh, children's teachers. And, yes. And they said that he, they were arguing that, well, you know, they don't really get involved because it's, it's works isn't what matters. And, and I think here that he's talking about justification. Mm -hmm. Right. Works doesn't matter for justification. That's right. But works does matter. The kingdom of God. Uh, because of justification. Yes, sir. Now I can serve. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. There's results. They, they had it mis- uh, How do you say it? Uh, confused. Yeah. They had it confused. Uh -huh. 
you know, they had it all confused. They, right. they thought that works was not necessary for anything. Hmm. And, and I don't think the scripture teaches that. No, and that's why no. we're talking about this, is a repentance from dead works. Without works is that's it. dead. Dead. See, that's what I was saying a while ago. Before, I was unholy and unsanctified. With, 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 with all the knowledge and training that I took, going to school and everything, technology-wise, all that stuff. But now in the kingdom of God. See, now it's sanctified because it's, it's, it's pure. The attitude is pure and I'm going to serve. You just mentioned a while back uh, that the fields are ready. Yeah. Pray for laborers. Amen. What are laborers? They work. They work. Ergon is the Greek word there, which right. means to labor, to toil. But I kept stressing to them, I'm not talking about for your salvation. Mm -mm. You know, you're right. You're right for your salvation or for just, like you said, justification. You don't need it. Mm. You know, but because you are saved, mm. because you are justified, you want to naturally work. Mm. Amen. Serve, contribute. Yes. Right? yes. Before you, you came to love Christ, before you received Christ, before all that, yeah, no, no, your mind was at enmity. You didn't want nothing to do with church. You didn't want, well, I know I didn't. Mm -mm. No, of course You didn't have nothing to do with this word of God. You didn't believe it. You didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to be associated with work with somebody who did it because it would be embarrassing. <laughs> But then once you become a Christian and you have Christ in you, now you want to be around other Christians. Now I want a brother to hold me accountable. Now I want my wife to walk in God's mm. guidance. Now I want to walk in God's And I want to know the word more. Hallelujah. Because it's the spirit in me. It wants yeah. to be fed. Mm. And those people that you're talking about, that they, they're doing it backwards because they, they feel that they want to be a part of their own salvation. They want you know, I, you know, Jesus, you were good, but I think I found need to do something more. Let me help you. Let me help you out. Your blood, <laughs> your blood wasn't enough. I think I need Ishmael to help Isaac. you. That way, back up. Boom, 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 my chest. You know, I help God. You know, and that's the whole thing is that see, you're they're, they're right in the fact that you don't want to go and do the dead works, right. but you need to do the works of righteousness. There's there needs to be fruit, and that point up there, I wrote up there the nine qualifications of a disciple, and it says that number nine, if he or she does not bear fruit. He cannot oh, be my okay. disciple. I see. Well, it just like goes with these missionaries. You know, these guys, people that cook, that feel that God's leading them to missions overseas and going in these countries where they're going to be persecuted. But then everybody's calling. I know, I don't want to go. You can see me in Spain, I'll go. <laughs> but it ain't everybody's calling. It's like anybody, everybody's calling to work in a hospital with burn units. Or her broke with uh, sick. Yeah. Like, uh, what's that? That was Thomas' daughter, that, that children's hospital. Yeah. We're working with kids with cancer. It's a special gift for these men yes. and women to commit their lives to helping these. It's like police officer. Yeah. Why am I going to jeopardize my my life for seventy thousand dollars a year with people, a community of people that hate me? Mm. It's a gift that God has given these people for their role, like you said, yes, sir. and their yes, what their their uh, Megatrons. Metron. Metrons. Mm -hmm. It's their Metron. That's what they're called to do. And that's what's in their heart to be a police Metron. officer. What is that? Uh, well, I, in the next men's meeting, I wanted to go with, uh, give some understanding of Metron, 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, I guess this is going to be the last point because it's 1047. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, Metron. In other words, the Metron is, is, is the uh, grace that you have. In other words, ah. what's the point of me focusing on plumbing and all the knowledge and depth that he has in that? That's his Metron. Now, if you want to talk about technology, computers and servers and routers and switches and firewalls, and you, you, I would help you with that. You see, if we focused on that, so he says in uh, verse uh, 
2 Corinthians 10, starting with verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. When we try to start measuring ourselves by one another, we're out of order big time. The standard is the word. That's what you want to measure against. Amen. You see, and that word measure, that's what it means there. Man. Uh, for we dare not, for they measure themselves. The word measure is to measure off or out. out. In other words, you know, to, to compare against. But then in verse uh, 13, for we will not boast. Boast means to brag or to vaunt of things without our measure. First word measure is amatrons, which means immoderate. In other words, I'm not going to boast in something that I have no strength in. You see? In other words, the amatros is immoderate. I'm out of my line, in other words. If I was going to sit there and start talking about plumbing, man, I'd be so lost so fast, and it would be apparent that I don't have grace for that. But again, the flip side of that is that I do about technology or the kingdom of God, the word of God, etc. And then it says, so that the first word is amatros, but according to the measure of the rule. Which, and the word measure there is metron. Metron is my boundary. It's where I'm strong in. You see? And the measure of rule or the canon rule that we need to be walking by, the rule, Greek word rule, there's the word canon. This is the, this is the measuring, the read that we measure against the word, in other words. And if we do that, then we're wise. And then he says, uh, the measure of rule which God had distributed to us a metron measure to reach even unto you. In other words, Paul is saying, I've got, I've got authority. I've made my boundaries to reach unto you. Oh, Corinthians, or who? Yeah, Corinthian body of Christ. I'm in my boundary. Now, if I go to another location and try to rule somewhere else, in other words, in that boundary, I have no order there. And that's again, there, there, there's, there's some other areas here regarding um, the uh, domestic rule is that when I'm trying to be amateurs to my wife, I'm out of my boundary, I'm out of my scope. But if I stay in my metron in the realm that God has given me, there's grace there, etc. Could that be why Paul was so successful in Rome? Because he was actually a Roman Jew? Yes, he, he and, knew authority. He knew, he knew what the Roman culture was like yeah. and their teachings. Yeah. That's why he knew how to communicate with them. That's but right. You, you couldn't send Peter over there. No. Well, Matthew, because they were Jews mm. of Israel. Right? Now, check this out. You're right. Peter's metron was the Jewish people. Right. That's where they were. Paul was given to the Gentiles. Right. Whole nother realm, whole nother metron. Right. And see, you know, you talk, we hear these things about worldwide ministries you know you talk about being this this little city right here this little community me and my community grand prairie this is our metro this is the place where you need to be ruling the spirit against the demonic realm etc 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 there's no point yeah. me to go to dallas and try to feed the lost over there we got them right here yeah. you know what i mean there's people lost right here in this little area yeah. there's plenty to do <laughs> but yet we we, we want to expand our minds because of the world and the way they do it <clears throat> And say that, you know, worldwide, you know, outreach. Come on, man. You know, Jesus knew his metron. He knew where he was at. He knew he needed to give it to the 12. And those 12 went and dispersed it to all the rest of them. And then Paul, like I was saying earlier, is that he wasn't even one of the original 12. And look what God was able to do through Paul. You know what I mean? And uh, and they and, and I was sharing this with Brother uh, Al right there on the bottom section there. The apostles' doctrine, they spake the same word, they taught the same word, they lived the same word. 
The same word was confirmed with signs following. And in those three verse sections there, James 1, 2 through 4, Matthew 5, 10 through 12, and Romans 5, 3 and 5, all are talking about tribulation and going through through it on the outcome of that being patience with his hopomene or constancy or faithfulness or reliability in other words. And, and uh, so in other words, Jesus taught and, and James was around when there, but Paul wasn't even around yet he taught the same message because they were all getting from the same source. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you, sirs. Lord, we come before you grateful for the teaching today. Lord. We ask, Father, that you would speak to our pastor this morning that you would us. Father, use them as an instrument of your word, as an instrument of your love, Father. We pray for those that are here today that have not been born again to come this morning. Today, Lord, that today, Lord, they would receive you as your Lord and Savior. That we would all turn away from religion and follow Christ's teachings in our heart, in our lives, and in our mind, Lord. That you would be renewed daily. Yes, sir, Father. Father, we just continue to ask your blessing and your mercy upon this church body, this community, Father. We ask that you would use us as instruments to yes, reach sir. the lost souls, to help the widows, to yes, help the Father. orphans, Father, to love yes. that need love. Father, Amen. just to be there in Jesus' name.